Hello Chinyamaji family, amidst these trying times, we are back again this week to bring you hope for a greater tomorrow with amazing stories from the Nairobi ecosystem. This week, we had the privilege of hosting Ali Hussein, CEO of Kipochi. He started his tech journey at Toyota Motors as a market analyst, where he learned the power of technology. Coming from a business-oriented family, his entrepreneurial journey was deep-rooted in him from an early age. This is his story, and you definitely don't want to miss out on this. Enjoy the podcast. How are you guys doing, Chinemaji family? This is your host, Mark Karaki. Super excited to have, to be bringing you yet another episode of the podcast. Uh, this is the second week of, I guess, what we would call trying times in the global landscape. Uh, this is uh, the second week when we are all holed up in our respective homes and working from home mode. So we are recording the podcast um, remotely, and I'm super excited for the guest that we have this week. A gentleman who is not easy to, to to pin down, Mr. Ali Hussein, is on the podcast today. Ali, how are you doing? I'm doing great, Mark. Thank you so much for this invite. Uh, humbled to be yeah. to be talking to you on this. Yeah, listen, um, you're a busy, busy guy, and um, really excited to kind of have you here because you have a wide ranging experience in business uh, locally here, in, in the ecosystem in general. So um, I will attempt to introduce you based on, you know, what I know about you based on your, your what you've done and what you're doing. Yeah. So Ali Hussein is a co- CEO and co-founder at Kipochi uh, and in a, as an advisor to on multiple boards across so many different types of companies and also very passionate about the tech ecosystem in Africa in general. So... That is kind of the headline that that I know about early. Have I have I kind of touched on the the headline properly? Have I have I hit the nail on the head there? Perfectly, Mark. Perfectly. Awesome. So why don't we just hand it over to you and kind of break it apart for us? You know, tell us what Kipochi is and tell us a little bit about you know all the board that you you sat on and and that experience, and we can take it from there. So, Mark, I think. I wouldn't be doing justice if I don't uh, maybe spend a minute or two talk about my entrepreneurial journey and where I got the entrepreneurial bug. Because even when I was employed, I always had this, you know, this passion, this zest for, you know, delving into things that um, that I knew. Uh, you know, I come from an uh, an entrepreneurial family, uh, from my great grandfather um, down at the coast uh, to my dad, who you know ran probably the only two, one of the only two sawmilling uh, enterprises down at the coast, and um, mm-hmm. I still remember in our high school do- in our high school days, my bro and I, you know, we we'll drop our books on Friday evenings and head states. We used to live in Mombasa then, but the sawmill was in Kilifi. We'll drop our books on a Friday evening straight from school and get on a bus and head to Kilifi to spend, you know, to spend the weekend at the, at the sawmill and at the farm, helping, helping the old man run the business. Mm -hmm. Um, So, you know, um, I sort of believe that uh, that's where I got my my passion for entrepreneurship and you know for starting businesses. Uh, 
So mm-hmm. when I mm-hmm. when mm-hmm. I left when I when I graduated now uh, you know fast forward to uni after graduating uh, I got married and uh, my wife then um, got a job in Nairobi and you know we had this long discussion about leaving what I'm doing at the family business and you know trying out my uh, sort of creating my own path. So that's how we moved back to Nairobi. Um, and, mm-hmm. uh, you know, uh, various jobs. Um, but for me, the most pivotal job, the most pivotal job that I worked on that sort of started me on the tech journey was being recruited by Toyota Motor Corporation. Then the franchise holder was a company called Lonro Motors as a mm-hmm. market analyst. And I still recall the first time that uh, I got onto the internet. Um, this was way back in 95, 96, when uh, Africa Online, I don't know whether you still remember Africa Online. Yeah, I remember um, that name. Yeah, definitely. Yeah, and I'm sorry, you're you're probably gonna hear a bit of background noise with my kids all over that, the place. That's but, completely fine, Ali. Everybody knows the situation we're in. <laughs> so yes, but that's okay. the life we are living in right now, working from home and all that. So, um, so I got recruited to be a market analyst at Africa on at uh, Toyota Motor Corporation, and my job sort of evolved to become. Um, also a stock controller, the guy who sort of tracks all the motor vehicles from assembly, from uh, manufacturing back at Toyota City to back into to Kenya, from Mombasa to the assembly plant, you know, to our showrooms. As well. I mean, it was an exciting time. And uh, at that point, we used to track all these using Excel. Sorry, not mm-hmm. Excel. Lotus one two three. Mm, the first email. The first spreadsheet, I think. Lotus one two yeah, three. Yeah, right. You know, actually, that's interesting. <laughs> I think the founder of Lotus, Lotus is um, what's his name? I've actually met this gentleman, uh, uh Mitch Kapoor. Yes. He actually ran. Uh, Absolutely, and then it was acquired by IBM. IBM, yeah. Then, yeah, yeah. yeah so you know, lots of one, two, three. And by the way, uh, it was DOS based. Eh? There was no Windows then. Eh? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So I mean, this sort of introduced me to the to the amazing uh, world of technology and what it can do to help. Um, to help businesses, you know, uh, do stuff that was almost, you know, uh, unbelievable at that time. You know, uh, thinking back and in retrospect, you know, I smile at myself looking at what we used to do with those best uh, uh, applications. When today you have all these artificial intelligence, machine learning, and stuff like that. Anyway, um, my time at Toyota was super pivotal for me. I mean, uh, working with um, 
a gentleman based in uh, uh, Toyota City that time. Uh, I still remember that gentleman's name. I mean, he was probably my first mentor. Mr. Uh, mm -hmm. used to push me like you can't believe, you know. He would <laughs> want those market analysis reports Report, yeah. about the market in Kenya, new vehicles, used vehicles, parts. I mean, the working culture, you know, of making sure that you had your reports on time. And guess what? Yeah. Uh, you know, I came from a background work uh, uh, in uni at KU when I, at university, the first time I got introduced to computers, huge computers with floppy disks. And I tell you, Mark, the term mm -hmm. floppy really meant floppy. No, those seven inch things. Right. That you have to be super that. careful. You have to be super careful about. Otherwise, you know, uh, they are so delicate. But you know, you bend the them and bend the story <laughs> Absolutely, that was the beginning. So I really got my chops, understanding work culture and uh, understanding the power of technology working with Toyota. Right. And then, uh, for you, um, yeah, Ali, in in terms of, you know, you 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 kind of given me some some given us some something to understand you know your your legacy or this way you're coming from your genesis yeah. into the yeah. world of business and so yeah. you come from a strong male background where your family was in business and so maybe Correct. that gave you an appreciation for business ownership Correct. it imparted in what what would you say were the key things that coming from a business family may have given you uh, obviously you don't have a control experiment where you didn't come you know you that's all you know but are you able to actually say, you know what, this is what this provided for me from a mindset perspective, or any any tools that uh, that you took into that you've, you've taken into your into your life to help you become who you are? I think for me, <coughs> sorry about that. For me, one of my, I think the key take home for me, working with my dad and working at a family business, and then uh, you know transitioning to working at a major corporate like Toyota is that I know this may sound a cliche, but um, there's no failure in life. There's only mm -hmm. experiment. There's only experimentation and learning. Mm -hmm. You know, the, it only becomes failure when you stop learning and you stop trying. Mm -hmm. And I think mm -hmm. for me, that is, that is the most fundamental lesson I take from my experience from my earlier experiences. And that drives me up to today. Uh, you know, I have let me ask you this. several. Yeah. Let, let me ask you this. So that, yeah. that, right, that topic right there is that perspective. I wouldn't say it's a very, it's, it's not the most popular perspective in, in our now part of the world. We are very it's not risk the most popular what? Uh, perspective. People don't necessarily hold that as a, as a, as a belief system in, a, in our part of the world because we're a very risk-averse society. You know, everybody's expected to do the education thing and then go and get a stable, stable job. And the idea of taking risk is, is to go and start your own thing. Um, people are very scared of failure. So, um, so Mark, here's the thing. 
not everyone is an entrepreneur. Not everyone is a business person. Uh, There's a reason why there are far less business owners than employees. You know, you, and there's no right or wrong around these questions, Mark. you know, you you must you must you must be able to find to find what the equilibrium and what works best for you. And uh, you know, I also don't subscribe to the point of view that it's either or. You know, they are super successful entrepreneurs who have delved straight from uh, from. Uh, from university and the proverbial, you know, uh, dorm or garage startup uh, mentality, and have, they have been successful. But let's be honest, Mark, those are one in a billion. How many Mark Zuckerbergs so, are there? Yeah, I, I, from, from my, what I guess what there? I was referring to. Yes. Yeah, what, what I'm kind of talking about in general is more the cultural mood or the zeitgeist, right? <clears throat> if you, there's actually a very interesting um, documentary on, on YouTube. You can find it that, that mm. covers the Tel Aviv ecosystem uh, mm. in Israel. And one of the things I took away from that is mm. the notion that in their culture, mm. right, mm. taking risk is embraced. Culturally speaking, of course, not everybody's going to be an entrepreneur. That, that's true. Mm-hmm. But there is this notion that what is the mood of the place? What is kind of like accepted, right, in society, right? If you take a risk and you fail, like you say, how do people respond to that around you? Or if you even start embarking on that journey, is there like even moral support? Do people actually get behind you or are people kind of, you know what I'm saying? So, what I'm referring to is more of a cultural thing than an individual thing. I, I, uh, I, I, would, I would humbly sort of disagree a little bit on that because, look, if you look, if you look, at, our, if you look at our culture, uh, and, um, you know, if you zero in, in the, on the African culture, uh, have we been risk takers uh, historically? Or have we been risk averse? I think we need opinion. <laughs> so, 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 coming coming from my own, I wouldn't. I would like to not, you know, sort of uh, bring this issue out generally, because sometimes we do forget. Even as Kenyans, as Africans, we have different cultures. So I would like to maybe talk about my own background. You know, uh, from my own background as Swahilis, and by the way, you know, uh, that's my one of my pet uh, uh, peeves or pet subjects, which is not a, uh, a subject of this conversation today. But, uh, you know, you and I can have a, a drink of coffee uh, sometime and we can talk about it. But... The Swahili culture, the coastal culture, has mm. been one of entrepreneurship, has been one of trade. You know, uh, the Swahilis are, have been pivotal for hundreds of years in terms of connecting Africa to the global trade. All right? So for me, that is something that's deeply ingrained 
in me as a person as uh, let me ask you this let me ask you this then yeah um why then is the coast right now mm. uh not as vibrant to not to reflect that that background right? because uh, if you look at the coast right now so, economically so not a not as vibrant as vibrant from whose point of view see um tech is not the only conversation not the only conversation going on in this country you know for example um did you know that uh, the fmcg sector i mean right now i'm involved in a in a in a startup that is automating the fmcg value chain and that's another conversation for, for another day but one thing that we've discovered is that 60 to 70 percent of that ecosystem the distributors the merchants the wholesalers are either indian or muslims from the coast and, so, and the point being so the 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 point that i know broadly we are talking about the tech ecosystem but i i think the tech the tech ecosystem in this country cannot be uh, discussed uh, sort of um, uh, on an island it's not on its own it's connected you know so when you're talking about uh, soccer watch for example they are connecting the fmcg sector if you're talking about uh, uh, one of the startups that i'm working on right now that it's still sort of uh, uh, hush hush uh, to carry you know we we are connecting we are already connecting the uh, fmcg ecosystem from manufacturers to the dukas uh, when you're talking about uh, uh, twiga you're talking about enabling the agricultural sector you know so uh tech in itself is an enablement um when you're talking about fintech you're talking about quote unquote quote unquote disrupting the uh, you know current uh financial uh services uh players so you tech in itself is not is, is not an end to itself it is something that is used to connect dots across the economic uh, uh, landscape. Yeah, I, I have never had any other pers- perspective other than that. Um, right. I would completely agree with you on that. Yeah. Um, I guess so. Let's let's pivot and, and talk a little bit about your what you're yeah. working on right now. So, sees your CEO and co-founder at Kipochi. So what do you guys do at Kipochi? So Kipochi basically is um Kipochi was born out of my deep feelings that the financial services ecosystem uh hasn't even scratched the surface to actually enable not just Kenyans Africans to access proper financial services not just lending not just you know uh, savings but you know across the board so our main focus is the section of financial services that 
seem to really not have embraced technology for various reasons. And I'm talking about the small microfinance institutions. I'm talking about the small circles. I'm talking about the circles that still do more or less stable banking. So let me just give you a scenario. Last year, uh, groups and circles saved about 766 billion shillings savings in this country. Mm -hmm. Where is that money going? So, Mark, if you if you are a member of a circle today and you apply for a loan, say a million shillings from a circle, where does that money go when you get that money? When that circle cuts your check or sends you that money, where does that money go? So that money doesn't stay within the circle ecosystem. More often than not, it goes into your bank account. So it moves from the circle ecosystem into your formal bank account. Why do you think that's the case? And I'm not going to answer that question because I'm not going to answer that question because that question is answered by what we are planning, what we are, what we are doing as Kipochi. In, in a nutshell, we are building a digital banking ecosystem that will address that issue. And that ecosystem is based on a open source co-banking platform, an omni-channel platform called Mifos. And Mifos was born out of Grameen Bank. Grameen Bank, as you may well know, is the grandfather of microfinance across the world. Uh, Mohammed Yunus even won a, a, you know, a Nobel Prize based on his work uh, in uh, microfinance uh, in Bangladesh. So we I serve on the board of uh, Mifos uh, as as a uh, you know, as a, an advisor on the global board, and the more I dwelt into the conversation around Mifos, the more I saw the need to ensure that we create an ecosystem. Remember, and I'm emphasizing ecosystem as opposed to platform, because platform sort of alludes to ownership, to somebody owning something like, uh, you know, uh, the Google platform, the Google, uh, the Facebook platform. Uh, An ecosystem alludes to players coming in and playing on an equal playing field. Um, So I know it's what I call my big, hairy, audacious goal, but this is something that is I very, very deeply uh, believe that this is something that can be done and should be done to uh, cool. I, that, that actually, sounds exciting. To interesting. Level um, that ecosystem. Let, yeah. let me ask you, Ali. Just quickly. yeah. Sorry, Mark. Yeah. So, quick question up, around, yeah. you know, how would you? Yeah, I was just going to ask. So, how would you rate? Um, you know, Nairobi's uh, tech ecosystem's performance over the last 10 years, right? Let's on a scale of one to 10, 10 being, you know, we've built many, many, many companies, you know, that are successful. And one being we're kind of 
maybe built one, one or two. How would you rate our, the, the performance of the ecosystem over the last 10, 15 years? Because you've been around, you've seen it develop. What would you score at the performance there? I would, uh, I would give it seven and a half. I would have given it, I would actually have given it 10, but uh, I'm, I'm holding the seven, I'm holding the seven and a half for, for two main reasons. Uh, one of the reasons, one of the key reasons, and this is something that is kind of controversial, but I don't mind delving into mm -hmm. controversy. And in this this particular issue is that we don't have enough local investors playing in this space. Okay? Mm -hmm. So, like, I have had experience fundraising with local investors. And I have had, I've been... I've been successful in, in a number of ways raising money locally. It's harder, but somebody must start doing it. Um, the other the other the other reason why I'm saying uh, we need to do a lot more is how we engage with policy and regulator, policymakers and regulators. Um, my deep conviction is that today disruption doesn't only come from competitors and technology. Disruption also comes in the form of policy and regulatory measures. There used to be that three things in life were a given, life, taxes, and death. Please add the fourth one, regulation. You cannot, <laughs> you cannot get away from it. Uh, and hiding our heads in the sand and thinking that we can deal with regulators individually as entrepreneurs is really, really very sad. And that's the reason why I am at the forefront of uh, the Kenya FinTech Association, which is information. Uh, we currently have 60 members 60 founding members. Uh, we are putting together our uh, basic documentation for um, application, but of course the coronavirus has sort of put a put a break onto that. But we will revisit it immediately. We get out of this out of this crisis, God willing. Um, so back to my scoring, seven and a half percent. I think we could do a lot more uh, with more local. Uh, investors and more engagement with policymakers. You have seen the beating that the uh, so-called digital lenders in this country have taken from policymakers and regulators. But here is what people are not discussing, Mark. Did you mm -hmm. know? Did you know? And I am happy to be quoted on this hundred times. Did you know that 93% of all mobile lending comes from regulated entities? Not the tellers and the branches. Did you know that? I'm sure you're going to tell, tell us about it. Um, I'm not in the fintech space that deeply. So, 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 uh, yeah. so I'm sure you've been following the negative press that digital lending has been 
has been uh, has been given in this country but uh, if the regulators and the policy makers took one look and looks at the empirical evidence of where the money is coming from from these lenders they would have taken a step back and said let's not throw the baby out with the bathwater what are the interventions that need to be done uh, and mark i mean i would like to stop there because we can go on and on about this because i think the reason why i brought this up is that not an entrepreneur uh, cannot do this on his own but coming together we can address and have a seat at the table because here's my other favorite uh, uh, topic if you don't have a seat at the table at the restaurant you are most likely to be on the menu that's 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 plausible so make sure that you have a seat at the table you have a conversation around where your industry is going and how you can improve your lot and at the same time contribute to the development of this country so policy and regulatory engagement for me is has been and will continue to be a critical component of who i am uh, and who um, i will be going forward as, as a business person and, and, and as an entrepreneur well, let me ask you this, Ali. You know, there's been a lot of energy um, mm -hmm. that has gone into people trying to build all kinds of solutions over the last 10 mm -hmm. years. And mm -hmm. for some of the reasons you've mentioned, right, that people have not been able to be successful. Mm -hmm. A lack of funding, um, you know, lack of, uh, I guess, a, a forward-facing regulatory environment that can enable some of these things to, to come to bear. Mm -hmm. What else do you think is missing in terms of clearing the landscape or the runway for people who are working so hard to actually try and bring innovation to bear? What, what else is missing in the ecosystem? Mark, look, I think we need to sort of evolve our own way of looking at our ecosystem. Not everything coming out of Silicon Valley uh, fits in. Uh, there used to be, when I used to work at Three Mice, uh, and I would say one of the earliest start tech startups in this country, uh, we never thought about funding. Let me tell you, Mark, the best, and I'm not saying this is right or wrong again, but I can tell you for free, the best funding that you can get is paying customers. What we today call traction. So even as mm -hmm. we are looking for funding, we must, we must be able to, to sort of ground our businesses in having a product or a service that people are actually paying for or are willing at so least you, to pay for. 
So would you say that Sorry? people have not been focused on that per se? Is that is that a problem people have had not focusing? I don't think I don't think we focused enough of it. I can tell you that um, there are startups or so-called uh, you know mid-sized companies in this country that you will probably never hear about in the technology space that have not received a single shilling in funding. For example, I I am an advisor in a mid-size uh, enterprise ERP uh solution provider in this country that has a solid footing in the education sector they have about 50 universities that run their erp now this is a company mark that is not a systems integrator is not a distributor for the big boys uh, SAP, Microsoft, uh, you know, all the big ERP players, Oracle, they don't sell Oracle products. They don't sell Microsoft products. They don't sell SAP products. This is a company that owns its own IP, ERP, for, unit, for educational institutions. And they're profitable. And they have been profitable for the five, six years now, and they are growing at a 30, 40% clip every year. And guess what? They have not received a single shilling from any VC, not in Kenya, not anywhere in the world. Those are the kind of businesses I love to hear about. Those are the kind of businesses I like to get involved in. You know, um, and I'm, I'm, I'm not saying the sexy stuff, you know, of raising $20 million $30 million, $20 million is wrong. No, I'm not saying that. I, I'm, I'm saying there is another side of the tech ecosystem, the tech startup in this country that nobody talks about, or at least most people don't talk about, right? This um, startup that I'm telling you that uh, I have mentioned uh, in the FMCG that I'm also involved in uh, automating the FMCG space has seen in the last two years that we have been in operation, has seen about maybe $200 million plus pass through that ecosystem. In, so are they, are they in, competitive in with Twigger Foods? Is that... Sorry? Yeah. Are they competitive to Twigger Foods? Is that what, or, or any of the other players who are entering that space? Um... I honestly, Mark, I don't want to pigeonhole ourselves uh, because we, we we believe, by the way, we have much better traction than these other players. But we don't talk about it. Uh, I like that. They, I, I like, like <laughs> I like uh, I like that kind of story because you 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 know you it's, you need multiple players in a space so that no, uh, I I firmly believe in the blue ocean strategy. I I don't want to say I don't want to pigeonhole myself here. We, this is where we are. This is where Tiga is. This is where Soko Watch is. No, no, no. I, th I think we are playing in a much, much bigger space. Uh, and I'll leave it at that because my partners probably wouldn't want me to talk more, more than I've just said. So, the, the, the cool. Issue... Well, listen. Um, we're we're kind of coming close so, here to, to wrapping up. I, I oh guess my my, my question. Thirty-five minutes have gone. Yeah, 
Yeah. <laughs> so I, I would say, what, what are some of the takeaways or, or you know, uh, tips that you'd give to anybody who's um, working on an on a, on a entrepreneurial project or looking to, to get started? What are some of the tips you would, you'd, you'd offer? Okay, first, first I'll go with the personal because uh, my entrepreneurial journey has cost me dearly on a personal level. Mm. Uh, and I would say that if I don't pass on some of my learnings to people uh, who work in this ecosystem like myself, then what was the point of me going through these experiences? Right. So the choice of your life partner as mm. an entrepreneur is probably more important than the choice of your business partner. Let me repeat this, Mark, because this is very important. Mm. The choice of your life partner, who becomes or who you want to be your wife, your husband, or your partner at home mm -hmm. is probably more important than your, the choice of your business partner or what we call your co-founder. So, so let me ask you a question. Maybe you can give it a little bit more color there, right? Am, what I'm, I'm what about to do that. <laughs> you know, I'm about to do that. See, Mark, mm -hmm. when you've come from coding or knocking on doors, looking for customers, uh, when you've come from a you know 12-hour day, your home needs to be your sanctuary. No question. <laughs> no question about that. So if you are about to shut down and you are thinking twice about going home because your partner is going to ask, uh, where's the milk today? Uh, <laughs> what's going on? What the hell have you been doing? So the reason why I'm saying this is very important. <laughs> you know, we, we, we don't think about this small. We, we don't think, talk about this. Stuff, we man. don't we talk don't about them. We think we think they're small, but they're the most they're the most fundamental thing. So before you before you're entering this journey, before you think you're gonna be a superstar uh, CEO or entrepreneur, have a sit down with this person who is gonna be your partner, and have a candid conversation. Right, and then you ask yourself. Is this partner more important than my entrepreneurial journey? Because those are the hard questions you're going to have to ask yourself. There are too many broken relationships and broken marriages because of the journeys we take as entrepreneurs. And we don't, we don't talk about them. Right. We don't talk about them. We don't talk about them enough. So for me, I think that's... That is a lesson. Uh, it has cost me. I don't mm -hmm. need to go into more detail than that. Uh, uh, those lessons we must talk about. And by the way, we must have support groups to discuss these things. Yeah. Uh, the other thing is, right. again, uh, failure. I hear people talking about failure is not an option. It's, it's not a zero-sum game, Mark. You will mm. 
let me assure you, let me guarantee you, you will fail. And you will fail again. But the question is, do you take it as failure or do you take it as lessons learned and moving it to the next iteration of your professional life, be it as an employee, be it as an as a entrepreneur? The other thing that is critical, Mark, is this is something that we, a lot of us do in the space, but also a lot of us also don't do. And I know, again, it's become sort of a cliche, paying it forward. What are you doing? What, what percentage of your time are you taking to actually improve the lot or the space or the ecosystem that you work in? The analogy is very simple. If you have a multi-story super mansion and you you have it plonked in the middle of Kibera and you don't care about your environment or the people who live around you, guess what is going to happen very quickly? You're going to be on a Sunday enjoying your your uh, you know your grill with your friends and all the nice smells around Kibera are going to be floating into your lawn and you will most likely not be enjoying that grill or that drink with your friends. So take care of your environment around you. And then when I, when I talk about the environment, I don't mean literally the environment, I mean the space. Have time for younger entrepreneurs, have time for your people who, you're, who you, have, you have employed or you are working with, have time for your co-founders because after all, what is life without having the people you care about actually doing well with you when you're doing well? That's, that's very true. And you know what? We'll, we'll wrap it up with that, Ali. Um, those three lessons. You know, life partner is critical. Um, and then failure is not fatal. It's a lesson. And then finally, um, paying it forward, right? Yeah, uh, being yeah. somebody with a big heart and remembering that, you know, uh, success is really, in my view, is measured by how many people's lives are better off because you lived uh, and you're only happy when you're giving, when you're giving back. So uh, thank you so much for taking the time. I'd love to be here with us. Thanks, and, Mark, uh, for inviting me for this chat. Yeah, yeah, definitely. I think we should do it again when, when we are, when we can sit face to face and kind of really dig into some, some, some more, um, War stories, I'm sure you have a ton. Happy to. Um, but yeah, yeah, yeah. Thanks for taking the time, Ali. All right, cheers, thanks.